And hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. So happy that you're here again. Thank you so much for that. Um, do you remember all those episodes where um, we kept wondering what's taking so long for Dominique Anglade to resign? You know, why is she so desperately trying to hold on to power? Well, it was only a matter of time, ladies and gentlemen, because this week, in fact, yesterday on Monday, Dominique Anglade made a, an announcement. Uh, she gave a uh, she made a statement to the effect that she would be resigning as party leader and as uh, MNA for Saint Henri Saint Anne as of the first of uh, December. Now. We're going to get a little bit to what she said, but uh, just to bring you guys up to speed, for anyone that follows the program, you know, this isn't to be mean towards Dominique Anglade. I mean, I know her personally. Um, you know, I have nothing against her. Um, but you've probably heard me saying actually before the elections and even during the elections, during the QC brief segment that we had with Michael Forian, um, where, you know, in our analysis and in our explanation uh, and the way that we saw the uh, the elections kind of uh, evolve, if ever the party, the Liberal Party, were to finish with whatever number of seats that they were projected in the polls, which were anywhere between 15 to 18, that Dominic Anglad as a leader would have absolutely no choice but to resign. Uh, and then after the elections, they actually ended up getting more than what they were projected to get, so they ended up with 21 seats. I was still wondering, you know, it's still not a good result. I mean, I've been on record here saying that I thought that with that result, that on the night of the elections or at most, you know, the day after, she should have resigned and uh, and she didn't. And uh, I went again on air wondering what the hell is going on. I mean, I, I just could not understand it. And again, it has nothing to do with her personally or with her ability. I think she's a very smart person. Um, it just didn't work out for her this time around. Uh, and especially after the elections, I was so perplexed. I was so confused because, you know, we were we, we, we got used to Dominic Anglad during the election period. Um, being, you know, that leader that promoted this huge vision, this ambition, uh, the, the, this dream for a better Quebec. If you guys all recall, she would almost on a, on a daily basis keep repeating those lines that, you know, the Liberal Party, we, we see big for Quebec. Francois Legault sees small for Quebec. So, she, 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 you know, she, she, she did a pretty good job in kind of promoting that, that idea, that vision, that ambition, uh, that drive, right? Uh, and then, on the other hand, you had that same leader who on the night of the elections, on October 3rd, went on stage, all happy and skippity, skippity, whatever the expression is, high-fiving everyone, um, and essentially you know, congratulated herself uh, for her mediocrity. You know, where was that big dream, the ambition? I mean, where... Who are we? Are we that party that you just spent over 30 days kind of describing as the ambitious, the driven, uh, the, the, you know, the party with a vision? Or are we the party that accepts mediocrity? And why mediocrity? Because the Liberal Party of Quebec ended up with the worst result in its history, 21 MNAs, um, 
much lower than the 31 that they had gotten back in 2018, which at that time was considered disastrous. They got much less popular votes. They got decimated in the regions in Quebec. We're talking about regions where the Liberal Party was once considered, um, you know, uh, having these fortress writings, especially in the region of Quebec. And in those regions, the Liberal Party ended up with 5-4% of the vote. Um, really, really bad results. And in addition to everything, out of the 125 ridings, I think they only ended up with about 35 that got over 15% of the vote. And that's important because when you pass that threshold, you get reimbursed uh, 50% of your expenses in those uh, particular ridings. So only 35 seats, only 35 ridings got more than 15% uh, and only 35 writings where the party is going to get its, well, at least half its money back. So financially, after this election, the party is decimated. So any way you look at it, the result was negative. There wasn't even anything to use as a positive spin. And I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand what was happening during uh, the night of the elections. Um... Now, obviously something like this isn't easy, right? I mean, making this type of decision to resign and to step down from office is never easy. Uh, And again, I'm not saying this to be mean or to judge Dominique Anglade. It was not easy being the leader of the Liberal Party because the truth is that she didn't put this party on this downward slope, she inherited a party that had already been broken and divided. And, um, uh, you know, we've explained it on other episodes. I, I personally believe that this started in 2012 when the Liberals lost that elections with Jean Charest. And I think the minute that Jean Charest resigned as party leader, there was this instant disconnection uh, and disengagement from members. Jean Charest, whether you like him or not, he had this charisma that was appealing to the to the members. Um, he had this ability not only to connect perfectly with his caucus, but also with the party. He was this omnipresent leader involved in all aspects of um, of uh, of his leadership. Right, uh, that was lost. That was lost immediately after he left, uh, and I think. When pre, uh, when uh, Philip Couillard came in in 2014 as the premier, I feel like he failed to replicate that relation that existed with the leader of the Liberal Party and the base. Uh, Philip Couillard came in, this super intelligent, cerebral person, that wanted to put Quebec back on track. That was his main objective, and he did the job, and that's facts. Whether you like the the, the Liberal Party or not, Philip Couillard put the party back on track. He came in and said, okay, we need to go get from point A to point B. We need to, to figure out Quebec's finances. We need to put things back in order. We need to clean up um, our books, and he did it. You know, He said, who do I need? who are the best that I can surround myself with that are going to bring us there. 
And he did it. He brought in some really high caliber people that helped him put that plan um, uh, to action. Problem is that by doing so, he disconnected even further the base, you know, the, 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 the members. Um, and that wasn't good. It wasn't good. So all that had already started kind of boiling and of course, you know, the election in 2018 didn't help at all, right? I mean, with the defeat in 2018, I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And a lot of the members kind of completely uh, just abandoned ship. Uh, a lot of them were very frustrated, com confused. Um, so Dominic Anglad inherited this, okay? So obviously, you know, there's the excuse of the pandemic that came in between where there were very few occasions where the members got to actually meet and, you know, to hold these events where you kind of build this trust and the excitement and the motivation. So that didn't happen. Um, but ultimately, it, it was just one massive failure, right? I mean, the party could didn't take the, the 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 time it needed to actually reflect on why it had lost and why people were so you know disconnected from the party uh and ultimately it all fell into dominic anglad's lap uh, is it an excuse is it not ex an excuse it doesn't really matter dominic anglad took the responsibility i think it came too late uh, i i would have thought that she would have done it earlier but in her credit um, the statement she made was really graceful. Um, it, it, it was, you know, she accepted the results. She thanked everyone. She mentioned that, you know, serving as a member of the National Assembly had been the greatest honor of her, uh, of her life. And uh, more importantly, she didn't use that as an opportunity to, you know, just point fingers and blame. She took it as a champ and as a leader should. Because that's what being a leader is. I mean, you you, you you celebrate the victories, but you also have to accept um, the defeats. And she did that. She did it honorably. And on the 1st of December, she will be stepping down. Now, what led to this resignation? And, of course, we've spoken about this in previous episodes. And there was, there was, there was a lot of things. Obviously, there's what we just spoke about, right? This frustration, this growing this connection and disengagement from the members that I, I think reached the point where it was just uncontrollable uh, and nothing was done to address it, right? Everyone just thought that, well, the Liberal Party is a Liberal Party. They're going to bounce back. Well, it didn't. So there was that. Uh, but also, following the election, the results was the number one thing that was on that list, right? As soon as... She got 21 members automatically. It went down. Oof, 21 members. Jeez. You can't even celebrate that, right? So there's that. And then two weeks ago, we spoke about this. There's that ejection from caucus from uh, with Marie-Claude Nichols that created this enormous crisis within her caucus, within the membership of the party. It was just a very, very bad move. So obviously that kind of got that ball, ball rolling. You know, the, the snowball started growing and growing. And it, it, at that point on, and I, I you know, we, we spoke about that, in the first episode that we that we put up on the on this ejection from caucus, I, I went on and said that 
Marie-Claude Nichols got that ball rolling and it's going to be very difficult to stop it. People are going to jump on that train and it won't be pretty for Dominique Anglade. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. The caucus was dissatisfied. From what I heard, they weren't even made aware that Marie-Claude Nichols, um, that all these things were happening. They just received a phone call from the, the, the caucus chair who informed them that this is what happened and that's the decision that they made. And that's it. That's all. There wasn't any questions or answers. Um, it was just, here, this is what we decided. So there was a lot of dissatisfaction with that. Um, ultimately, Dominique Anglade backtracked because she felt that something was wrong. Uh, there was a meeting uh, after with the executive of the party. I heard that wasn't pretty as well. So uh, she backtracked. She actually called a meeting with her caucus. That didn't go well, uh, well uh, at all either. Uh, and that's when she said, look, the door is always open, Marie-Claude Nichols. You're welcome to come back. We um, we acted way too quickly on this, and you know we're extending our hand out, and uh, if you want to take it, there's always room for you in the caucus. Marie-Claude Nichols re refused. She, you know, essentially she said, I can't come back to a party whose leader I disagree with, uh, whose leader I think no longer has the credibility or the capacity to lead this party, and I you know, it would be hypocritical of me to come back at this point, and she decided to stay as an independent. That didn't help at all. Um, there was a, a meeting afterwards with uh, the association, uh, writing association presidents. That wasn't pretty either. Um, a lot of former colleagues came out to um, uh, to kind of criticize Dominique Anglade's decision, former uh, M&As, former ministers, uh, and, and that was really something... Uh, strange to to witness because traditionally for anyone that's been following politics here in quebec issues like this don't normally come out in public with respect to the liberal party of quebec these are all issues that are usually handed behind closed doors and, and uh the liberal party has usually done a pretty good job at dealing with these issues away from the cameras and away from the public this time around, it was different. Uh, I mean, the gloves were off. People were coming out. They were pointing fingers. Um, it, it wasn't pretty. And, and again, you know, this shouldn't have been easy for Dominique Anglade. I mean, let's let's be honest here. This is something that takes a toll on you. Your family is watching this. Your friends are watching this. Your colleagues are, are, are watching this. And, uh, and, and you know, it, it mustn't have been easy for her to make this decision. At the end of the day, though, I think that it was the right decision to make. Even though it came very late, I think you know better late than ever. Uh, it was the right decision. Uh, Dominic Anglade uh, is now allowing the party to kind of you know turn that page, close that chapter, and focus on what's going to have to happen now. Um, and we're going to get to that because that's very important. Um, but before we get to that, what needs to happen, like the next steps, right, in terms of leadership and all that stuff, we're going to get to that. But before that, I think the party, while it turns that page and looks forward, the party needs to take the time to reflect on everything that it didn't reflect on in the previous years, since 2012, and especially in 2018. It didn't, you know, they, they didn't focus at all, or not enough, rather, on what created this kind of downward momentum away from the party. Um, so what does the party need? Well, I, I, I think they need to define what is the Liberal Party. I mean, in recent years, at least in the last four or five years, 
We've seen the CAC pretty much occupy all of the center-right spectrum where the Liberal Party usually was. And at the same time, you have growing popularity of Quebec Solidaire that has occupied pretty much all the left. There's very, if not little, room in the middle. So that's pretty much where the Liberal Party was, right? So that room has been suffocated and the liberal party has nowhere else to go right now uh they're you know in the last years they've seen their supporters kind of go in all directions except remaining in the liberal party so they need to figure out exactly what they are where they need to be what issues they need to represent um definitely Definitely, 100%, they need to reconnect with the base. They need to bring back the members. They need to get these members re-engaged and active again. This is something, like I said before, that has been lost since 2012, since Jean Charest left. And they have consistently failed at getting these members back and involved and motivated as they used to be. There's obviously this new reality now where there's a clear defining line between the regions and the big metropolitan areas, Montreal and other big cities, right? The, look, Premier Legault has been very intelligent in playing into this nationalist ideology, this nationalist base, which primarily is found in the regions. And he's kind of dismembered the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party, for those who know, it was probably the one party that had managed to kind of bring everyone together. Nationalists, Anglophones, Allophones, immigrants, uh, regions, cities. There was this huge, big pot where everyone was welcome before, and they did a very good job at keeping everyone happy. Premier Legault has broken that by playing really into the nationalist front. And the Liberal Party, because they failed to define where they are situated, they had a huge problem in the last mandate on dealing with certain issues that Legault was hammering, especially ones that were dealing with you know, Quebec nationalism. We're talking about Bill 21, Bill 96. The Liberal Party didn't do enough. And a lot of people were saying, well, look, it makes no difference. Uh, you know, Francois Legault had majority uh, in the House. These bills would have passed anyway. Yeah, of course they would. But the Liberal Party could have defended their side better and i think that a lot of people especially in montreal and the surrounding areas the anglophone communities the allophones the immigrants that were traditionally in favor of the liberal party kind of felt i don't want to say insulted but kind of lost right it's like where are you how come you're not taking you know a, a more active approach uh, and of course, we all know how the Liberal Party kind of flip flopped around with, you know, the whole issue with the Bill ninety six. They, I, I'm convinced, they didn't even know how to, uh, you know, where they were situated and what they represented in that bill. Uh, I, I think even the, the the caucus, the members of the caucus, were lost. They didn't, you know, where are we? What are we defending here? What are we supporting? I'm sure the people were lost as well. Um, so th there was a huge failure there. And again. There's been this disconnect, obviously in the regions, but also in in in, in the big cities like in Montreal. Um, so they need to figure out a way to bring everyone back back together. They need to figure out a way to get people happy again and to bring everyone uh, in you know in the same boat like it was before. Figure out a way to satisfy everyone. Make everyone feel confident about where your positions are. Because, look, for everyone that's been following the Liberal Party, and, you know, historically, I mean, it's always been about 
federalism versus separatism. And whether you agreed or not with the Liberal Party of Quebec, if fundamentally you were a federalist, you were voting for the Liberal Party of Quebec. If not, you were going probably to, to, to the Parti Québécois. That reality is gone. That doesn't exist anymore. It's no longer you know, in the decor. So immediately, the Liberal Party has lost that edge it had in convincing the electorate to support the party. So it has to figure out concrete and fundamental things that they need to go gain support on. And of course, it's not only on the Federalist issue that the Liberal Party was surviving on, right? I mean, the Liberal Party has a huge history and they're behind some of the biggest, most important decisions ever made in Quebec's political history. Let's be honest here. But primarily, that's what it was, right? That, that's what defined the, 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 this, this political ecosystem in Quebec. Are you a Federalist or are you a Separatist? And since that's gone, well, you have a lot of people wondering, where do I go now? And the Liberal Party has failed to kind of raise its flag and say, hey, we're here. Don't forget, we are doing this. We're, you know, we're going here, this direction, that direction. This is what we support. This is, what, this is you know, what our vision is. I think they failed at making their positions clear. So they need to reconnect with that base. And essentially, they have to redefine itself. They have to figure out a way of modernizing and doing politics a little bit differently. And, you know, a lot of people, were, you know, they're talking about rebuilding. You know, that word, I'm not so sure if it's right, because when you rebuild, it means that you're destroying everything and you're starting from scratch. And with a party as old as the Liberal Party, you can't put aside everything that this party has been a part of, all that history. So you can't rebuild. I think the better term is you need to evolve. So the party needs to figure out a way to, um, to evolve uh, into this newer context, this newer political reality that we're living, and to figure out where it fits. And it needs to figure that out. It needs to figure that out because if they fail to really do this exercise and to, to, to really focus on where are we, who are we, and where do we want to go, I'm not so sure that the future is bright for the Liberal Party of Quebec. So this is an important step that needs to be done and it needs to be done properly, uh, which is why I hope that the Liberal Party won't rush into this leadership campaign, into the next leadership race, because there is going to be a leadership race. We're going to talk about that in a few seconds. So they can't rush into that. They really need to complete this exercise and to complete it effectively and make sure that everyone is on the right page um, in order to move forward. So how do we move forward now? What's the next step? All right. So Dominique Anglade, as of the 1st of December, is stepping down. Immediately what that means is that um, the party needs an interim leader. All right. So this interim leader, it's what the term says, is in the meantime, right? So until the party elects a new leader, you need someone in place. Now, obviously, that interim leader is going to come from the sitting MNAs. Usually it's the party that selects the interim leader, but they always do it in collaboration with the caucus. So there's going to be a, excuse me, there's going to be a meeting uh, this week with the members of the caucus and the executive of the party, the executive committee of the party, 
and they will announce the new interim leader. That's number one. Uh, the other thing that obviously is going to happen is that Premier Legault, because he's the one in charge of this, was going to have to call a by-election in Saint-Henri-Saint-Anne. Saint-Henri-Saint-Anne is the riding that Dominique Anglade uh, won, um, and since she's no longer there, well, that seat becomes vacant. So there has to be um, uh, an election called in that one seat within the next six months. So the deadline is obviously the 1st of June. I think, uh, and uh, we actually said that before with Michael Forian in the QC Brief episodes, if you go back and listen to those, in our analysis at that point in time, we were thinking if Dominique Anglade doesn't manage to win her own riding, or if she does win her own riding but gets that disastrous results that we were expecting, that you know the Liberal Party, you know the, the polls were projecting, that if any of those situations were to happen, and obviously if Dominique Anglade would win her riding, but you know get those disastrous results, she would have to resign. That ultimately that seat would be left open, and we thought that for sure the Liberal Party probably wouldn't stand a chance to winning that back. So I I still believe that what we were saying back then. I think it's going to be hard for the Liberal Party to win that by election. Of course, within the next six months, we don't know when. You know, Premier Legault is going to call this election. So it could be next month, it could be in two months, or he could wait all the way until the end and call the elections in, you know, at the end of May, early June. Anything can happen in that window. Maybe the CAC is going to drop in popularity. I doubt it. I think they're still going to be hovering really up above and beyond all the other parties. I don't know. Maybe the Quebec Solidaire will drop, the Liberals will go. Anything can happen in terms of um, uh, the, the, the polls and the support that these parties have. I don't think that the Liberal Party is going to have what it takes to win this um, the, the, this riding. Um, traditionally, in by-elections, the, the, the voter turnout is much less also to begin with, so that doesn't help. And um, I think that the Quebec Solidaire uh, Party has been growing their base in these areas. They won the neighboring riding of Verdun in the last elections. They had a huge presence in Saint-Henri-Saint-Anne. Um, they ran an excellent campaign, and I have a feeling that they're probably going to pick that seat up. I could be wrong. We're going to see. Uh, I just don't see it happening. And then the last thing that the Liberal Party is going to be doing right now is obviously launching a leadership, uh, a leadership race. Now, again, I hope that they're going to take their time before launching this leadership race. Um, and uh, I also think that this leadership race obviously won't be like the last one. I mean, there's so many things that went wrong with the last one. First of all, there was no real leadership race. We, we uh, As soon as the leadership race was launched, we went into COVID, into restrictions and everything, and into lockdowns. So there was no real leadership race. There were two candidates, and you know, one of which stepped down because it was taking too long and he had planned his finances. He had quit his job to do the campaign and he hadn't planned his finances past, I think, early 2020. And since everything got postponed, he had no choice but to step down, which pretty much left Dominique Anglade getting crowned the leader. And again, crowning a leader is never a good thing. Leadership races are very healthy, despite what many may think, because, you know, there's different cliques that are going to create. Everyone's going to pick their camp and there's going to be infighting and there's going to, you know, there's the debates and yelling and all that. It 
for me, I find that very healthy. There's going to be an exchange of information. There's going to be interesting projects and platforms that are going to be brought to the to the forefront, ideas. Uh, it's going to renew the party. Members are going to come back. It's going to revive this party. And if it's done appropriately, these members are going to stay involved and they're going to stay uh, engaged. And that's exactly what you want. Uh, so you want these ideas to flow around and to exchange and for everyone to kind of put their brain to work and to think wow that's interesting what else do we need what else is being proposed so, so you need this exercise to happen uh and i do think uh, contrary to what many believe that we're going to have in the liberal party of quebec more people interested than uh than people may expect uh, the reason I'm saying that is, uh, one, because of the fact that the Liberal Party is at this very low point right now, I think that it's easier for the next leader to come in uh, to work with a smaller group of people, a smaller caucus, than if a new leader comes in and has to deal with 50, 60, or 70 MNAs. So the dynamics are much harder. If you have a smaller group, I think that the structure there um, could be more beneficial for uh, for the new leader. And I also think that a lot of people think that because the party's at a low point right now where they have 19 MNAs, and if they bring Marie-Claude Nichols back, it'll be 20 uh, because I don't think they're going to pick up Saint-Henri Saint-Anne. But because they're at this very low point, a lot of people may think that um, it's going to be much more of an interesting challenge to take on that party from that point and to grow rather than to go in some uh, into a party where there's a significant number of MNAs and you risk creating you know certain uh, frictions uh, so I think it's it, 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 I see it as a positive uh, going forward now who are the people that are gonna want to take on this responsibility I, I think it's too soon to be honest but there are names that have been circulating uh, some names that make sense some that absolutely don't make any sense if you look you know first and foremost you know internally from within the caucus from within the elected uh, mnas in my opinion there are three names that jump out there's mark tangay andre fortin and mara risky uh, i think mark tangay is probably gonna uh, want to assume the interim and of course if he assumes the interim he uh, automatically loses that eligibility to run in the leadership race um but he has i think the experience and i think he has what it takes to um to keep everyone together and to to create to, to keep that unit going until the new leadership race uh until the new leader comes in sorry um andre fortin Marat risky there were two two of them both of those guys wanted to run i think in 2019 they both decided not to so i think that the interest is still there um, with respect to Mara Risky, however, she did just give birth. Uh, she just became a mom uh, one or two weeks ago. Um, that obviously is going to play into to that decision. Obviously, it's not easy, right, when you have a newborn to assume this kind of responsibility. But if there's anyone that will be willing to take on that challenge, it is definitely Mara Risky. So who knows? So from within the caucus, you have those three names one of which will automatically be the interim, I think, and it's probably going to be Mark uh, Mark Tange. I could be wrong, of course. Um, so that's that with respect to the people inside. I don't see anyone else on um, 
in that caucus that has the ability to assume the uh, not only the interim uh, position but even leadership i mean most of them are are new and from the more experienced ones that are there since let's say um 2008 if i think of filomena roti roti uh, or 2012 when i think of mark tange uh the more experienced ones are andre fortin who came in in 2014 and then everyone else is pretty much new they came in in 2018 so there isn't that much experience enough to justify uh, anyone kind of taking on that uh, initiative. Uh, now, when we look at outside, and personally, I think, you know, this is what I think right now at the moment that we're recording this, I kind of uh, am leaning more towards someone from the outside being the right formula uh, for the party going forward. Um, I don't know why, don't ask me why, I just feel like someone from the outside with the experience and, you know, this maybe uh, a, a new fresh outlook uh, and perspective might be good for the party. Now, when we're looking at people from the outside, there's a lot of former elected MNAs, ministers that um, that are, you know, probably interested. But before we get to them, there are two names that I'm hearing that make bounce from the federal party the federal liberal party to provincial uh to provincial politics and again just just for everyone you know for the benefit of everyone listening or watching the liberal party of quebec and the liberal party of canada are two completely different things they have nothing to do with each other they are not the same party even though they share that name liberal they are two completely different entities they have nothing to do with each other they are not connected like uh the, like the liberal party in certain other provinces where it's the same party it's the same institution that is not the case in quebec uh but there are names that have been kind of circulating, one of which is François-Philippe Champagne. Um, he is the, currently the Minister of Innovation. It's this guy that brings this this energy. Uh, I don't know where he finds it, but he's always this happy guy, this energetic person, uh, very extroverted. Uh, and a lot of people are have pointed their finger to him as the next leader of the Liberal Party. I see why they would think that. I did, however, always imagine him running for the leadership of the Liberal Party of Canada. Of course, that all has to do with whether or not Justin Trudeau is going to seek re-election in the upcoming elections uh, at the federal level. If, you know, in the next months uh, or by the end of next year, Justin Trudeau announces that he's stepping down from the Liberal Party of Canada, from the leadership of the, that party... No doubt in my mind that François-Philippe Champagne is going to want to 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 jump on that train. Um, but who knows? If not, maybe maybe he would decide to come here. He's definitely someone that I see that has that ambition to be that leader, to be that front man. Something inside me tells me, however, that he's much more interested to have Justin's job than to uh, to take over a broken party in quebec the other name from federal uh from the federal uh, politics that is um surfacing is joel lightbound now many of you may not have heard of this name before 
Um, he did make news in the middle of the pandemic when he stood up against Justin Trudeau, against his own party, against his own caucus, and he came out in a press conference and he was questioning his own team, his own government, on why all these measures? Why are we being so extreme? Why are we the only G7 country that had lockdowns and all these really strict measures? Um, so he questioned his own party. He questioned his own uh, uh, his own leader his own prime minister. Um, he wasn't ejected from caucus, which I think was a very smart move from Justin Trudeau. He was just sidelined. He was, you know, tossed in the back bench, um, in the back benches. But I think it was very intelligent not to, to kick him out. And the reason why I think it was a smart move was because I don't think Joel Lightbound was the only one to think that way. I think that there were many more members of that caucus that were against Justin Trudeau. And had he kicked out Joel Lightbound, maybe they would have been in a similar crisis that we had uh, here provincially with Marie-Claude Nichols. So I think that was a very smart move. But he did lose a lot of responsibilities that he had. He's essentially just a backbencher. Uh, so a lot of people have been looking at him. It's very difficult to imagine Justin Trudeau running again uh, in, an, in a next federal election and having Joel Lightbound in his team. Um, or maybe he will. I don't know. But it's very difficult for me to imagine that scenario from happening. So Joel Lightbound is probably um, uh, a very reasonable guess that um, that would be um, jumping provincially. He, he was questioned, I, I believe, yesterday. Uh, and he did say that obviously the doors... Uh, remain open he would never close any doors standard answers right that everyone gives that you know never close any doors and uh, that at this point we should just wait and see what the liberal party wants to do and uh, see what rules and regulations they put in place for the next leadership race and uh, and that's it so he left it kind of flu right uh, we don't know where he's at uh, but he didn't dismiss it either so uh, that's that for uh, for the people coming over from the federal. There was uh, at some point uh, the name of Alain Rayes. Alain Rayes, for those who have been following, is um, is a conservative or was a conservative, uh, and uh, um, he was uh, uh, you know he was against Pierre Poilievre in that leadership race, and after that race was over and Poilievre won, there was uh, this very sour kind of. Uh, relationship there uh, and he stepped down he resigned and he's sitting as an independent and many kind of thought that hmm what if he made the jump to the provincial um, to the provincial politics and took over the liberal party and mind you this was at the very beginning of the provincial election so people were already thinking who will replace liberal leader here in Quebec even even while the elections were happening, right? So just to go back on what I was saying, everyone was suspecting these disastrous results. And due to these results, everyone was pretty much waiting for Dominique Anglade to resign after that. And this happened at the very beginning of the elections, right? Um, so that's what's happening over uh, from the federal. Now, other names that have surfaced, there's uh, Pierre Moreau. Pierre, Mor uh, Pierre Moreau was a, a former MA, former minister under Jean Charest. And before that, um, he was a chief of staff. He's someone that very, 
you know, with a huge experience, understands politics very well. Very intelligent man, very smart. He was uh, a candidate in the last in the leadership race in 2013 against um, Philippe Couillard and Raymond Bachand at that time. Obviously, he lost to Philippe Couillard, but he stayed on. He got reelected. Uh, Philippe Couillard uh, named him to cabinet again. Someone that, uh, someone that was really really heavy. He was he was a heavy duty guy. Uh, very well respected. Um, and uh, he played a huge uh, role in the, in, the, in the ministerial cabinet over there. He lost his election in 2018, uh, and he went back to uh, practicing law. He has remained visible. He has been uh, giving interviews. Uh, he's uh, very frequently on uh, Radio Canada as an analyst and commentator. Um, so a lot of people have been kind of looking at him maybe to make a comeback. Uh, other names that are huge question marks, but they still have flown uh, floated around. One of the uh, one of them is Mario Dumont. Uh, I don't see that happening. Mario Dumont, for those who don't know, uh, one of the smartest politicians we had uh, here in Quebec. Uh, he was a former liberal, president of the Youth uh, Liberals, and in the early nineties. Uh, he uh, he went his own way. I th I believe it was uh, the the failure of the Meech Lake and Charlottetown Accord that created this whole situation here in Quebec. Um, and uh, he stepped down. Uh, he was, uh, at least certain people have told me that he was seen as Burassa's uh, Robert Burassa's protege. He was kind of groomed to becoming this uh, the, the the new leader at some point of the of the Liberal Party. Like I said, he left in, uh, in the early 90s, created his own party called Action Démocratique du Québec, the ADQ. Uh, got elected immediately in, uh, in, uh, in those elections in the mid-90s, in 98, I think, the 98 election. And um, for a long time, he was kind of the lone wolf in the National Assembly until 2007 when uh, he gained a lot of popularity. He almost made government. I mean, had those elections lasted a week longer, Mario Dumont would have been the premier of Quebec. Um, instead, he was the opposition, and there was a very slim difference between uh, Jean Charest's government and Mario Dumont. That didn't last very long, and by 2008, they were uh, completely destroyed. I think he got seven or eight elected MNAs. He resigned as the party leader. Uh, the the remaining MNAs joined with some other people that had defected from the Parti Québécois and, uh, of course, um, François Legault, and they formed the the CAC that is now in government. Uh, but all that to say that Mario Dumont is by far, in my opinion, the smartest, most capable person to take on this role. If there's anyone that could come in and motivate everyone to come back to the party and get them excited and get them working again, um, uh, someone that has a vision that could defend it uh, and that can build that dream, it's probably Mario Dumont. Um, I just do not see that happening. I mean, he's uh, he's had a successful run in the media world. Uh, he has uh, um, his show on TVA LCN, very much loved by everyone, uh, a lot of visibility. It's difficult for me to imagine him leaving that kind of world and jumping back into politics where people pretty much spit in your face. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I, I wouldn't do that if I were him personally. 
But that would be interesting if Mario Dumont ever made a comeback into politics, and especially with the Liberal Party of Quebec. Uh, in addition to Mario Dumont, you have Carl Blackburn. That I, that name came out actually today the, for the first time. Carl Blackburn again, former MNA. Um, I think he uh, uh, he stepped down in two thousand eight, and then uh, soon after that took on the role of uh, the director of the Liberal Party. Had a very successful run, in my opinion, and then from that uh, went on to, into the private sector. This is a guy again that, uh, similar to François Philippe Champagne, uh, comes with a lot of energy. He's uh, he he's someone that has been known to rally people and to get them excited and motivated. He's always, you know, this smiling uh, personality, very charismatic. He was very much loved by the members of the Liberal Party, Carl Blackburn. That that was an interesting name that came up. I'm not so sure if um, if it's going to happen. Another name that hasn't been circulating, but I personally kind of see things happening, or at least I find it interesting, is Sébastien Prou. Sébastien Prou was a former minister of, of education under Philippe Couillard, won his election in 2018 among the very few seats, if not the only seat that we won in 2018 in the region of Quebec. Uh, but soon after those elections, he resigned, went into the private sector uh, and kind of went you know, uh, kind of disappeared. Uh, he Nobody heard from him, uh, but uh, I, I kept following him. He's lost a tremendous amount of weight. He looks fantastic. And I just find it interesting that a couple of weeks before the elections, he resurfaced. You know, he started making public appearances again. Um, he started taking on these little gigs as commentator and analysts, uh, talking about politics again. He was comment, uh, he was analyzing the elections. Uh, I just find that interesting that out of nowhere, Sébastien Prou just reappears in the decor, looks fantastic, uh, and is kind of commenting politics again. Uh, I could be completely wrong here. I just see something moving, and I'm pointing it out. <laughs> From that point on, if it's if it's anything, we'll, we'll see. <coughs> Last name that has been circulating is David Hertel. David Hertel was uh, uh, was brought in by um, by Philippe Couillard, became Minister of Environment, and then uh, became Minister of Immigration. Uh, didn't seek re-election in 2018. Someone that, however, remained active, remained visible uh, in the media. Uh, you know, someone that is obviously very intelligent, very well spoken. I I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if he's interested. Um, I'm not so sure how much support he would have also. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, I, I, aside from all that, I mean, he would be an interesting uh, candidate. I, I think he would bring much to the debate and to the, into the race. The last name that I'm going to mention, which I hope doesn't happen, but it was brought out because there was a poll that was conducted um, in who would have the most support as the next leader of the Liberal Party. And on top of that list was someone by the name of Denis Coderre. Denis Coderre was a former uh, federal minister uh, with the Liberal Party, uh, stepped down from uh, federal politics and ran as the mayor of Montreal, won uh, as mayor of Montreal. Uh, I can't remember the year, but lost two consecutive uh, elections after that. 
So, um, I mean, with that kind of track record, he himself came out in the last municipal elections after his defeat and, you know, accepted the results and said that he closed the book forever. Uh, that book of politics is long gone uh, and that he's moving away from politics from that point on. It was a crushing defeat for him. Uh, of course, it's it's embarrassing also to have two defeats and to have that personality that Denis Coderre has, right? I mean, he's very well-known, uh, very ambitious. Some may call him a little arrogant, uh, but nevertheless, two consecutive defeats municipally, I'm not so sure that the smartest thing to do is to bounce back into provincial politics. I don't see someone with his profile actually taking over the Liberal Party and actually doing good for the Liberal Party. Um, I don't even understand how he's on top of that list. I I, I, I don't get it. And I have nothing against the, the Nicodere. This is just my personal opinion. I'm not so sure he would be the right fit for the Liberal Party of Quebec, but I had to say this name because in today's poll, he was uh, he was up there, position number one, the Nicodere. Um I, I, I just think that it's over for him and he understood it and you know he's doing well in the, in his new endeavors and I just think that he should focus on that um, personally it's my personal opinion here um, that's pretty much it guys these are the names that have been uh, circulating maybe there'll be more maybe there'll be less I don't know something inside me though tells me that there's going to be an interesting leadership race. And it's up to the party now to make sure that that actually happens. But before that happens, they have to figure shit out. They have to figure out what's going on. They have to figure out where they are, where they want to get to. And it's going to help these people that may be interested to to run. It's very hard for me to imagine any of these candidates or potential candidates or people, anyone interested, coming in and not knowing what to propose. So the party needs to do that job for them beforehand. Uh, I think it's crucial. It failed to do it before, and it has to do it now. So um, that's pretty much it, guys. Let me know what you think of all this uh, situation with Dominique Anglade resigning, uh, the reasons behind it, uh, the future of the party. Is there a future of the party? Let me know in the comments below. I, I'd appreciate that. Uh, I love reading your comments, by the way, so feel free to um, to comment and to exchange. Give this a five-star rating if you listen to this on any audio platform. If, like me, you enjoy the vi uh, the visual content more, then head on over to YouTube and subscribe to the page. I'm trying to grow that community. Uh, and it would help me tremendously if you did that, and I'd appreciate it. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I appreciate you, and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care.